See, pastors can be both godly and dysfunctional at the same time. They can be holy, but not whole. They can be spiritually mature and yet emotionally repressed, biblically faithful, and yet psychologically pretty messed up. I know this to be true from observation, but to be candid, I also know this to be true from experience, from personal experience, my own experience. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Theologian's Show. Today on the show, we're doing something a little different. For the first time, we're going to be featuring some of our teaching resources that we've put together at various events here at the CPT. And we are starting today with none other than our podcast host, Dr. Todd Wilson. Uh, Todd, do you want to just share briefly a little bit about this this talk that we're going to have on the show today, where it's from? how the topic came about, all all that. Yeah, I would love to, Zach. Uh, So it is entitled The Integrated Pastor uh, Toward a More Embodied and Embedded Spiritual Formation. And it was a plenary talk at our CPT conference in October of 2018 on the theme, the conference theme was the art and science of spiritual formation. So that is uh, where the talk came from and when it was delivered. All right, great. Looking forward to sharing this resource with all of you and we'll see you on the other side. Well, I have entitled this talk tonight, The Integrated Pastor, The Integrated Pastor Toward an Embodied and Embedded Spiritual Formation. And I want to begin the talk with an observation. It is partly observation, and I should tell you in advance, it is partly confession. Begin with the observation bit, and then in a few moments, we'll get to the confession bit. I call it, this observation, the disquieting observation from a middle-aged pastor. I am a middle-aged pastor. I know I don't look it, but I am middle-aged. And because I'm middle-aged, I've got just enough life experience to say with some degree of confidence that this observation I'm sharing with you is indeed true. And it's a disquieting observation because it's genuinely troubling to me. It bothers me should probably bother me more than it does, frankly, but I'll leave it at that for right now. Here's the observation I want to share with you after uh, a decade and a half of pastoral ministry. It's an observation about pastors. Pastors can be, at the same time, both godly and dysfunctional. (laughs) I was hoping no one would amen that point. They can be both godly and dysfunctional at the same time. They can be both holy and not whole at the same time. They can be both biblically faithful and psychologically broken. They can be both prayer warriors and control freaks, spiritually mature and emotionally repressed, love missions and evangelism, yet irrationally fear those of a different race or of the opposite sex. 
They can be sincere lovers of Jesus and yet be addicted to food or porn or pain medication. They can be both godly and dysfunctional at the same time. I don't know if you followed the revelations that were coming out of Willow Creek a few months ago with Pastor Bill Hybels. We live in Chicago, of course, and so it was unavoidable. It was on the evening news and local channels in Chicago. And to be honest, watching the whole thing unfold over several months was like watching a car accident happen in slow motion. It was just gut-wrenching, and it was tragic, and you felt horrible for everyone involved for the women that he victimized, for the leaders that were misled, for the congregation who's had its heart broken for his family. Just tragic all around. And here's one of America's most famous and influential pastors who, listen, I have no doubt, genuinely loves Jesus and treasures the gospel and believes in justification by faith alone and prays and reads his Bible on a daily basis and loves and serves his wife and family and has a heart for reaching the lost. But who also, at the same time, was engaged over many years in deeply dysfunctional sexual misconduct. And how do we explain that? Like, what sense do we make of that on our theme of spiritual formation. I think there's a Manichaean temptation, if you will, that would have been my temptation a number of years ago to say that it's all or nothing. It's good or bad. It's real or fake, saint or sinner, godly or charlatan. That, no doubt, would have been my temptation a number of years ago. But now I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Or let me give you another example. Many of you, no doubt, remember in August, back in August of 2014, when news first broke that Pastor Mark Driscoll was stepping down from Mars Hill Church in Seattle. And what emerged was a deep pattern of anger and pride and intimidation and abuse of power in the church leadership of of Mars Hill and, and Acts 29, the church planting network before that, finally stood their ground. And so Pastor Mark Driscoll had to resign. And one of the most influential, fastest-growing churches in the United States sort of unraveled over the course of just a few months. And again, a tragic, tragic story all around. And again, one of America's most well-known and influential pastors, who I have no doubt loves Jesus, treasures the gospel, believes in justification by faith alone, reads his and prays and reads his Bible on a daily basis, loves and serves his wife and family, has a heart, of course, for reaching the lost, but who also at the same time was engaged over years in deeply dysfunctional abuses of power. And how do we explain that? You see, pastors can be both godly and dysfunctional at the same time. They can be holy, but not whole. They can be spiritually mature and yet emotionally repressed, biblically faithful, and yet psychologically pretty messed up. I know this to be true from observation, but 
To be candid, I also know this to be true from experience, from personal experience, my own experience. And so I told you I wanted to begin with an observation that was partly observation and partly confession. Now is time for the confession. For many years in my ministry as a pastor, I would say that I was godly and fairly dysfunctional. I have no doubt that if you came and lived with me for a week and slept on our couch and shouted me through the day, you would come away thinking, hey, he's a pretty godly guy. Loves Jesus, loves his family, loves the Bible, prays, serves the church, cares about his wife and children and making a difference in the world for Jesus. I have no doubt you would come away if you lived with me for a week or a month saying But if you came and lived with me in the early weeks of January 2015, you would also see that I was pretty dysfunctional. At least that's when I really came to see the dysfunction for the first time, or for the first time with real clarity and power. Here's the situation. I was granted a three-month sabbatical, and pastors, be careful what you pray for and asking for a sabbatical. I was granted a three-month sabbatical, and here's what I planned to do on my sabbatical. I was going to finish a book I was working on. I was going to start another book. I was going to read through Calvin's 1,500-page Institutes of the Christian Religion. I was going to memorize the book of James in preparation to be preaching from it in the spring, and I was going to brush up on my Hebrew. And when I shared my plans with our elder council, one of the elders with tongue-in-cheek said, Okay, Pastor Todd, are you going to do anything else on your sabbatical? But I'm a godly pastor, and so I figured if I've got a three-month sabbatical, I should at least take the first week and, you know, sabbatical. So I decided I wouldn't do anything for the first week. I'd just sort of like hang around and sleep in and chill out and rest and be on sabbatical. Well, that went pretty well until about Wednesday of week one. And I started to come unglued. But unglued really isn't even the right way to talk about it. Perhaps you've known someone who's had a serious substance abuse problem, a chemical addiction to alcohol alcohol or some other drug, and you see them start to come unglued. You see them sort of get edgy and irritable with this kind of craving that they've got to satisfy. It's kind of a horrible thing to watch. They're kind of going crazy. That, that was me in early January 2015. By Wednesday of week one of my sabbatical. A godly pastor on sabbatical going crazy because he's going through withdrawal. And when I say withdrawal, I mean real physical signs of withdrawal. This is what was so striking to me at the time. And as I look back, I'm talking real physical brain symptoms of withdrawal, like irritability and uncontrolled craving and edginess and a feeling of desperation. Not for booze or drugs, but for accomplishment and achievement and the rush of adulation from others, which is, by the way, a kind of narcotic in itself. And so I was going crazy like an addict who needed a hit, and I was making my wife crazy for sure. And so she leveled with me on Thursday of that first week, Todd, you've got to do something. (laughs) And so I did. I knew just what I was going to do. I was going to go back to work. That's what I was going to do. 
And so that's what I did in week two. On Monday morning of week two, I was up at five in the morning. I was over at the YMCA at 5.30. I was swam my 2,000 yards and took a shower and was at my desk here at church in week two by 6.30 and read my Bible and prayed because I'm a godly pastor. So you do that from 6.30 to about 7.30 or 8. And then I started my day of work at 8 o'clock and finished up around 5.36 and went home. And the remarkable thing was it made me feel better instantly because I had the hit. And I think it was sometime in week two or maybe I'd gotten into week three when I received in God's kindness and providence a text from a friend. And his text simply said this, Todd, isn't that your car in the church parking lot? Aren't you on sabbatical? Do you remember that scene from 2 Samuel chapter 12 where Nathan confronts David? And he says, you are the man. That was what God was doing with that text message. You are the dysfunctional man. You're the psychologically jacked up individual. And a few weeks later, I found myself, therefore, in a therapist's office. I didn't know exactly why I was there, to be perfectly honest. Why are you here, the therapist asked me. And I said, I think I'm addicted to achievement. Well, tell me a little bit about your background, he said. And that then began a conversation and a relationship that went on for many months. And it helped me to see that I could indeed be godly and dysfunctional at the same time. And please hear this next thing I'm going to say. It helped me to see that 25 years of Christian spiritual formation had successfully added layer upon layer of moral formation on top of deeply seated compulsions that were still, at the end of the day, controlling Hey, everybody, just a quick note about a new giveaway that we're currently sponsoring here at the Center for Pastor Theologians. We're partnering with InterVarsity Press to give away a complete 46-volume set of the new Studies in Biblical Theology series, which is a phenomenal series that seeks to help Christian leaders, scholars, pastors understand the Bible better by exploring key issues in biblical theology. The series is edited by D.A. Carson, and it aims to instruct, edify, and interact with current biblical scholarship. This would be just a phenomenal addition to any pastor theologian's research library. And honestly, I'm a little sad that I'm ineligible to enter the giveaway because I work here. Uh, Anyway, if you would like to enter the giveaway, all you have to do is go to pastortheologians.com slash giveaway and enter your name and email in the form on that page. Once you do that, you can also head over to our Twitter and Facebook pages where we announce the giveaway and retweet, share, or tag friends in the posts that we put on there announcing this giveaway of the New Studies in Biblical Theology. Any interaction with the giveaway posts on social media will count as bonus entries when we do the drawing for the prize a little later this year. Once again, the address to sign up for this giveaway is pastortheologians.com slash giveaway. Today on the show, we have a talk from our CPT conference in 2018 from our own Dr. Todd Wilson entitled The Integrated Pastor. Let's get right back into it. And so what do we make of all of this? 
What's going on with Bill Hybels? What's going on with Mark Driscoll? What's going on with Todd Wilson? Different people, different stories, different situations, different outcomes, different in lots of ways. And yet there's something unnervingly the same about these stories. They're all pastors who are both godly and dysfunctional at the same time. Here's my take on what to make of this, and I lay this out for your consideration to see what you think of it. And at the risk of oversimplifying, I want to say this, that I think it all comes down to this one word, and the word is integration. Integration. Or maybe more accurately, it comes down to four words, a lack of integration. What unites, excuse me, what unites Hybels and Driscoll and Wilson and a thousand other pastors who are both godly and dysfunctional at the same time? I think the answer is a lack of integration. Integration literally means to make whole. To integrate is to bring together different elements of a single system into a coordinated and unified whole. On the other hand, to disintegrate is to fail to bring together the different elements of a single system into a coordinated and unified whole. And so for the purposes of this conversation, to integrate when we're talking about spiritual formation, I believe, is to bring together the different elements of the human person into a coordinated, unified whole and to be disintegrated is to fail to bring together those different elements. Now, this is my conviction that has developed over the last couple of years, that most forms of evangelical spirituality fail to foster integration. We prioritize in evangelicalism, we prioritize doctrinal instruction, moral development, but we neglect psychological healing. We emphasize the cultivation of character, but we overlook our deep-seated psychological compulsions and fixations and emotional reactivity. And so I believe there is a lack of integration in much of evangelical spirituality. So you might even say that evangelical spiritual formation often promotes or at least lends itself to disintegration, which sadly means that if left to itself, evangelical spirituality will breed not integrated, but disintegrated pastors whose ministries will sooner or later disintegrate all around them. But not just disintegrated pastors, disintegrated Christians as well. Disintegrated Christians who are nurtured in a disintegrated spiritual formation and spirituality and who therefore live disintegrated lives. Godly, but dysfunctional. And may I say, at the risk of sounding, as I said to Gerald before my talk, like a grumpy old man, 
that I think we see the signs of disintegrated Christians all around us. So let me ask you this question. Why is it that good Christians don't always make very good human beings? I'm not trying to sound, serious, I'm not trying to sound like the grumpy old man up here, really. I'm not actually that old, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to sound like, I love evangelical Christianity, right? I mean, I'm not clucking my tongue as an outsider. Why is it that good Christians don't always make very good human beings? They're faithful to their families. They're consistent in church attendance. They can cut their grass and pay their taxes on time. And they read their Bibles and pray for the nations. And yet, they can be rigid, self-righteous, xenophobic, racist, sexist, controlling, narrow-minded, emotionally repressed, sexually dysfunctional, bitter, impulsive, and angry. How do we explain that? Or why is it that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, non-Christians are more Christian than Christian? Like, how do you explain that? No doubt you've had this experience. No doubt you've had someone say this to you, like, that's a really Christian, non-Christian, right? It's as though those without the truth of the gospel can yet achieve, listen, a measure of psychological health and healing that sometimes outstrips what some Christians can attain. Perhaps because they attend to that reality of their life. Or how about this one? Which is, I think, so relevant and pertinent to the moment we find ourselves in right now within evangelicalism and the broader culture. Why is it that evangelicals are notoriously clumsy when it comes to dealing with issues like Race, sex, and gender. Could it be that all three of these, race, sex, and gender, are body issues? They're body issues. They directly deal with and concern the body the very thing that evangelical spirituality fails to integrate into its approach to spiritual formation. And so my sense is that we need to rethink our approach to spiritual formation on a fairly grand scale. We need an approach to spiritual formation, I believe, that fosters integration, by which I mean that that intentionally and explicitly brings together doctrinal instruction and moral development on the one hand and psychological healing on the other hand, an approach that brings about not only holiness, but wholeness of people. In saying this, I'm sounding a note that is very similar to the one Dallas Willard sounded many decades ago. Willard's concern, as he put it, in a number of places, especially in the spirit of the disciplines, was this, that Christians weren't attaining Christ-likeness. This really burdened and bothered Dallas Willard, and he asked, why not? 
And his conclusion was not because of a lack of effort. Everywhere he says he looks, he sees Christians that are incredibly sincere and doing the very best they can with the resources that they have. It's not for a lack of effort. Instead, he says, the problem is our deficient theological anthropology. A deficient understanding of what it means to be a human person, a human being. This is the way Dallas Willard puts it. For serious church-going Christians, Dallas Willard writes, the hindrance to true spiritual growth is not unwillingness. While they are far from perfect, no one who knows such people can fail to appreciate their willingness and goodness of heart. For my part, at least, I could no longer deny the fact. And so I finally decided that their problem was, here it is, a theological deficiency, a lack in teaching, understanding, and practical direction. As I now see it, Willard says, the gospel preached and the instruction and example given the faithful ones simply does not do justice, listen to this, to the nature of human personality as embodied, as incarnate. And this fact, he writes, has far-reaching implications for the development of human health and excellence. I think that's exactly right. A deficient theology. In particular, a deficient understanding of the human person, a deficient theological anthropology, a a failure to do justice to the true nature of the human person, to take very seriously that we are not just souls inhabiting bodies or minds connected to bodies. No, we are embodied, even incarnate creatures. Or to put it bluntly, we don't have bodies, we are bodies. Yes, we have minds, we have souls too, but they are far better integrated, more tightly, closely integrated than most forms of evangelical spirituality, it seems to me, would lead one to believe. Well, what would it look like then to, to cast vision for a better, more integrated approach to spiritual formation? What would that look like? What would this theological vision look like? One that takes more seriously the nature of the human person as a psychosomatic unity. A vision that does justice to our embodied incarnate nature. A vision that promotes integration of the doctrinal and moral with the psychological. So Todd, in this talk so far, you've shared a lot about your personal story yeah. as it relates to your sabbatical and what happened yeah. when you got started on that. At what point in that process, I'm just wondering, did you decide that this was something that was worth sharing with a bunch of other pastors and it wasn't just unique to you? Yeah, great When, when was the fire in your bones, as it were, lit on this particular yeah, issue yeah, great of integration? Yeah, great question, uh, so m- much of the reflection and and sort of existential crisis happened as I as I share in the talk during the sabbatical, but the ideas I let germinate and percolate for a, a number of years. Uh, the sabbatical was back in 2015, and so I didn't share this talk until 2000, late 2018, October 2018. Um, and I guess what I did was I road tested the ideas and insights with other pastors and, and colleagues and friends um, to see if what I had experienced um, resonated and the the conclusions I was coming to were helpful to other people. And um, and I was encouraged by what I was finding out as I was road testing this, that, that sure enough, this was um, giving 
people a framework for how to think about integration. Um, not and 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 really, as I say in the talk, um, opening up a whole nother um, what, what do you call it? A whole nother realm or sphere layer layer a layer is a better word. Thank you. A layer of um, personal growth and Christian growth. Um, in introducing the category of psychological integration and wholeness, not just moral and spiritual formation and holiness. So I, I, I use that distinction in the talk. All right. Well, there's lots lots more to come from this talk. This was just part one. We're going to have part two on the show next week. So we'll look forward to hearing more. And hopefully this will be helpful for a lot of pastors yeah. out there. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, The CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.